welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Melissa Taylor. Melissa is known as a top strategic business consultant and mentor who shows businesses how to increase their impact and influence through networking, her signature speaker league program and community, and her scale mentoring. Melissa has built three solid, successful, and profitable businesses. And now she simply wants to share that experience with others. She strives to always offer value, encouragement, inspiration, and motivation while providing the right online and offline strategies for other entrepreneurs and professionals on their journey to success. Her unique approach and signature programs and talks provide information in a fun, exciting, results-driven, and implantable way. When people take what she has to say, do the work, and implement her strategies, they see an increase in their impact, influence, and income. Melissa, welcome to the Skill Bite Show. I'm so excited to have you here today to help people learn how to get more speaking engagements. Absolutely. I'm glad that you asked me to be on today. Well, tell me a little bit more about these three businesses that you built. Were they related businesses or totally different? Uh, they actually all kind of had a little bit of a different spin to them. I actually started in the dance business, believe it or not. Um, ballroom dancing, country, Latin, swing, that kind of thing. Owned a dance studio in Colorado, as well as two international dance competitions that we ran. Uh, traveled all over, judging competitions, doing choreography, coaching, that kind of thing. So I guess coaching people and kind of helping them through different things is in my blood. Okay, so there was the dance business, and then mm -hmm. what were the other two? So we had, uh, we had some rental properties for a while that we did, and then we moved into, uh, actually did a uh, direct sale company, for a little bit in the health and wellness. I'm an nationally certified integrative wellness consultant. Again, there's that, there's that coaching streak in me. Mm -hmm. And then now, of course, we have rogerandmelissa.com. Yes, and tell me a little bit more about that business. Sure, that's really our, what we love to do. It's really, like you said in the intro, it's really just taking people on a journey to help them build their businesses by giving them great networking skills, follow-up skills, marketing strategies, and of course, we believe in the power of speaking. So we have a speakers league and we show people how to use speaking, not only if they wanna get you know, paid to actually speak, but actually use speaking as a way to generate leads and recognition visibility. Right, yeah. now in today's world, there are not very many live speaking events. Correct. So how do you build, I mean, one of the great benefits of speaking is building a human connection with the people in your audience. Mm -hmm. How do you do that effectively via video conference or whatever mechanism people are speaking yeah. today? 
definitely a little bit more challenging for the speakers, but there's a lot of interactive things that were already there and now even more has come out to be able to be interactive with your audience while you're online. Um, obviously, you know, if you're talking about Zoom or go to meetings or things like that, you can use breakout rooms and go into smaller groups where you can, you know, really have a conversation with people. You can use, um, you can actually get a switcher board for your home so you can have two to three cameras on you. So when you are standing up and presenting, you can have a screen behind you. It kind of feels like, you know, that, that they're watching a performance and a, a whole, like you're on stage rather than just this little square that we always seem to be in when we're on a, like Zoom. So you'd have like three cameras on you and switch between them. Uh, we have one speaker that started doing some games online where it was completely real time. I mean, the scores were coming up from the different teams right on the screens while they were playing the games. It was a, she was working with interns and so they were doing some kind of team building kinds of things. So there's a lot of really great technology out there that speakers can use. Yeah, the, um, I've, I've been on programs that have had the breakout rooms and mm -hmm. while it's good, I have felt uh, somewhat annoyed when the speaker does the breakout rooms a lot. Like you go into a breakout room for five minutes and then you come back and five minutes later, you go into a breakout room again. And then five minutes after that, you <laughs> five minutes later. Yeah, that's a little much. <laughs> that makes it a little bit too choppy. So. Yes, that's a little bit too choppy. You definitely have to plan it out and you have to you know, take that into account. You also wanna make sure that you would have facilitators that you have worked with before the breakout rooms start so that you have somebody in the breakout room still going over the program, going over what you're talking about, keeping them on task, that kind of thing. Right. So it's really important to have it very well planned out. Yeah, there is definitely some benefit to what we're going through mm -hmm. because you can have much larger audiences when people aren't needing to travel. Yes, that is true. That is true. And we've seen with some of our speakers have had that opportunity to speak uh, like you said, for a larger audience, uh, we have one speaker that actually merged together three different corporations all into one Zoom, which was rather large for her, or actually I think it was on GoToMeeting. So there's lots of opportunity to get those kinds of, um, engage that kind of engagement on a larger scale. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you get good speaking engagement? What yeah. Kind of depends on, yeah, kind of depends on your target market, but we always start with, when we work with someone, we start with what exact problem do you solve and who do you solve it for? And then we target what kinds of places would be good. Is it corporate America? Is it associations? Associations are great because associations are pretty easy, not easy, but they're uh, easier to get into the local level of an association. And of course, once you speak at a local level, uh, if they, if you did a great job, they recommend you to go to the regional and then after the regional, it could go to the state level and then it could go up to even the national level. So you could take something like, for example, let's just take like the board of realtors. So you would have, you know, like the board of realtors here in your hometown. And then of course they have regional meetings and they have statewide meetings. And of course they have the national meeting. So if you can get really good into one or two associations and really do a bang up job, you can really... I mean, you can make a whole career off of that. If, which is great if you don't 
are not concerned about getting paid for your speaking engagements, but my experience with associations has been mostly they try to get people to speak for free because they figure that you're speaking to your target audience and therefore it's an opportune um, marketing uh, place for you to promote yourself to this to their audience. That can be true with some. Uh, that's why we also, with all of our speakers, work on a monetization process on the back side of your speaking. So you want to have what a lot of people call a lead magnet or you know something that gets people to give you their email and their contact information. You give them something valuable beyond what you just spoke about, and then you have a way to follow up with them, put them into a program or sell a digital course or your books or whatever. Right. But usually that's at the local level. Once you get up into the regional and the national levels, right. we see our speakers definitely getting very well paid. Right. At the national level, definitely. Sometimes at the regional level, but mm -hmm. the, the local level is it's a little tougher. <laughs> definitely tougher unless they can get a sponsor. They can sponsor it then, and you can, do you help your speakers find those sponsors? We do not. We give them recommendations of things and places where they might speak to. Mm -hmm. uh, we would help them write emails or talking points for when they talk to those places, but it's not something that we actively uh, help them with. You know, we kind of give them the tools, but then mm -hmm. they have to actually take it from there. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, um, I actually have a speaker coming up, a guest on my podcast. Great. Who does help people get sponsors for their speaking engagements so that they can get some money while they speak. And then, of course, the speaker gets the opportunity to present whatever company they work for. Absolutely. Well, I would love a connection with her because yeah. my speakers would probably just eat that up. Yep. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a great idea because there are mm -hmm. all these companies that, that want to appear before these, um, these audiences and yes. for what's peanuts to them gives them that opportunity, but also gives the speaker some fee for... Exactly, yes. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we find a lot that, uh, you know, several of our speakers, one in particular, when she does the kind of sales on the back side, you know, to monetize it, she actually makes more money sometimes that way than getting paid to be on the stage. <laughs> right. Yep. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you're effective at that, then yes, you yes. can quite well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I actually did a speaking course with somebody who said she never allows she, she, to uh, a free speech. Um, she she usually does the free speech because then she gets the opportunity to do the call to action. Right. Whereas if she gets paid to speak, they generally don't want her to do mm -hmm. a call to action, and she makes more money from her upsell to the audience than she does from the speaker's fee. Absolutely, that is that can be very true if you're good at if you're good at doing that that soft sell from the stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there some tips? that you help people with to, to make them better at that soft sell? Yes, that's actually one of the pieces that we go, go over in our speaker league as well as our scale mentoring program. We talk about, you know, don't leave it all till the end. 
Don't be a hard sale all the way through, however, either. So you want to just say things in your speech like when we work with clients or as part of our group coaching program, we did blah, 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 you know, so that they understand that this isn't all you do, that you do more than just get up and speak in front of an audience. Uh, the ones that drive me crazy are the speeches that are very value packed, value packed, value packed, action oriented. And then at the end, it's like, okay, $3,000 and you can keep going with this. And it's like, comes out of the blue. So you want to make sure that you're kind of sowing that seed or we call it the golden thread going through the entire thing where it's just it's subtle enough that it does not in their face but it definitely is opening their mind to the possibility that the, the problem's not going to be solved in this 45 minutes you're going to have to do more work <laughs> right what else what else do you suggest oh for that selling from the stage mm -hmm. to have something that they can actually you know, like we're talking about a lead magnet, right? So something they can actually do for low cost or, or free, just to stay further in touch with you, get their feet wet with what you have to offer. So maybe that's a, uh, you know, a short series of emails that helps them get through a particular problem, or maybe it's a, you know, one digital video, it's a digital, digital video course, but you're giving them like one lesson of it for free or something like that. And then you just have a really good hopefully automated, we really work on getting these things automated, um, follow-up system to get them to, you cross-sell them or upsell them to your larger things at that point. But, you know, selling a 10, you know, a three, five or $10,000 program from stage is, it's pretty tricky. So you want to try to start with something a little bit less expensive for people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, do you recommend offering multiple um, whether it's calls to action or programs or whatever, a, a low one and a high one, or just start with a low one? Not usually. We usually start with a low one because, you know, people get paralyzed if there's too many choices. And so we start with a low one. And what you'll find is the people that are like ready to go, like you have inspired them, that they just want to jump off the cliff with you, they'll come talk to you and say, you know, I think I need more than the little five day start thing or the 30 day start thing. You know, what else do you have? So they'll come talk to you. Um, the other people will get their feet wet. And in the first couple of days, your automation should be already trying to show them what else you have available. But too many calls to action is too confusing. You know, we even had one speaker that she would give, you know, join my Facebook group and get this other download and get on my texting club and I'm like, you just gave them like five different things that they could do to get in touch with you. And most of them are going to do none of them because they get confused. So really stick to one. And the low price one is, makes it very easy for them. Kind of a no brainer if it's $5 or $7 or whatever. Exactly. Uh, to, um, to get something valuable and then you have their contact information if you didn't have it already plus yes. you have some money from them and mm -hmm. and once, once you get yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. once you get one sale <laughs> it's a lot easier to get the the next one yeah we always say once their wallet's open it's a lot easier for them to continue right. which is the, i mean that's the beauty of the upsell right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As long as what you've provided is pretty good quality. 
Yes. And we tell them that should be something tangible. So it can be a download. I mean, it can be something like that because people could print it out and hold it in their hands. Um, same with a digital course. Uh, probably is going to have some worksheets or something that they can hold in their hands. But just to kind of give them like a text club or, an, you know, something like that isn't, it's just giving them a few texts on their phone. It's not something they can actually like feel and download and print and see and read. And so uh, maybe I'm a little old school with that, but I definitely think that that helps. Again, depending on your audience, I guess you might have a younger audience that it wouldn't be as important to. I, yeah, I think the audience is key because mm -hmm. those of us who are north of 50, I think <laughs> prefer the, the tangible items. Yes. Um, and uh, those who are maybe under about 30 probably are totally fine with pure digital. Yes. So we recommend that like if you do have a download, like a PDF download, that it's also, they can do the fillable PDF. So if they want to fill out the forms online, they can. If they want to do the work online, they can on the computer screen. Um, but if they want to print it out and you know write with good old pen and paper, they can do that too. So we always recommend that people have it so that people can do both or either. Um, so that's another thing that they want to think about. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Um whether it's something that they fill in or an assessment form or a checklist or something, it provides value and mm -hmm. it gives them a sense of your expertise at the same time. Yes. And that's what you're doing it for. You know, they're getting their feet wet with you, kind of testing the waters to see if you're a good fit for them. And so you want to make sure you're bringing your A game. That's another thing we always tell our speakers is don't hold back. You know, give them, give them the best you got. Because then what you want them to feel is you want them to feel that sense of, wow, if Judy gave me all this stuff for free or for 20 bucks, imagine the kind of information she could give me if I actually paid her. Right. So it's a different mindset than the, oh, I'm just going to give them a little and not really tell them how, you know, not go very deep. It's not the, it's kind of reverse your mindset on that. You still don't have to give them the secret sauce, uh, but you can give them something really valuable and practical. Absolutely. We always recommend that you go deeper into one of your points with them rather than give them a bird's eye view of everything that you can provide. You know, so they really get some solid value out of one piece and then that's going to make them realize, okay, I need the other pieces. Whereas if you get them a bird's eye view, it might be so vague and so general that they're not going to really believe that you can help them. Mm -hmm. No, that's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, we always say we don't need more in this world of anything. Like if you're going to say the same thing as everybody else, don't bother. What we need is better and deeper. So don't just give me more <laughs> of the same thing. If you wanted to get started mm -hmm. with using speaking as a marketing strategy, what are some of the things that you would recommend somebody does? Well, the very first thing that they need to do is decide what piece of their business is, is going to interest people to hear about. Is there a piece of their business that's going to be interesting for people to hear about? The second thing they need to do is get, get a coach. 
get somebody who can help. Um, we have what we call a signature code, C-O-D-E, to help them figure out how to write it, what all pieces and parts should be in it, how to do a good slide deck. Um, all of those different things are very important. Toastmasters is wonderful for presentation um, work, you know, working on not saying ums and ahs and getting that message across in a, in a kind of the performance side of speaking. But you still need to have somebody coach you through the content side of speaking, which is why we have Speaker League, but there's, you know, there's lots of different programs out there for people online and off to do that. But it's really important because what we find with most speakers is they have something to say and they think everybody should want to hear it, but everybody doesn't necessarily want to hear it. And the way they say it is definitely going to be key to get people to hear it. So get some help with that and then figure out, you know, as in any marketing, you got to figure out who your target market is, where they are, where they gather, what kinds of places they like to go to, and then either create your own events and your own platforms or reach out to people that have those facilities and those groups. And it can be networking groups. It can be social groups, moms groups, um, health and wellness type groups. Do some collaborations with people in your town uh, to have you come in and speak. Maybe you're a health and wellness. Maybe you like to do health and wellness coaching. And there's somebody who sells some health and wellness products. So you could come in and talk to people about health and wellness, and they're going to be able to sell them products. So then you can obviously be there to sell your coaching programs or whatever. So find collaborations that work. Those are great ways to get your feet wet. How do you suggest people figure out what they should charge for speaking? For, for speaking? Um, well, first of all, when you first start a speaking career, you're going to speak for free. Like you're going to, there's just, there's not, no way around it. So you're going to, like we said before, you need to have something to monetize it on the backside. Once you do that, until you feel like the value that you provide is well worth at least $500 to $750, you probably don't want to start charging because you're going to make more than that on your, on the stuff that you sell is your hope. Um, most event promoters don't really take a speakers seriously unless their fee is over somewhere around $1,500 to $2,000 is where they start to kind of see you more as a professional speaker. So until you feel like that is an, a number that you could hit consistently, it's probably better to keep your fees low or nothing and just have your, just monetize it on the backside. Now, how do you know when that's ready? Well, you know it's time when people start calling you to speak. They've heard you, somebody else heard you, re recommended you speak for someone. When you're still out there peddling your own speech speaking, it's a little tougher to get those larger fees. So when people start calling you and you have a good speaker website, you have a good speaker montage reel so people can see you speaking in live in action, uh, it's probably, probably not time to quite start charging yet. Now, you just mentioned a speaker's website. What should be included there besides, say, a, a speaker's reel? So you want to have some social proof. So you want some testimonies on there, not just testimonies from uh, audience members, but also from promoters that have hired you before or had you come speak before. What the promoters are looking for on website, on your speaker website, is 
what kinds of topics and problems can you solve? How engaging and entertaining are you with the audience members? What are their, what's their audience members going to get out of it? Like, that's what they want to know. They want to know that they're, because that's their customer. Their customer is their audience. Even if it's an HR department in a corporate environment, you know, and the, and the people that are going to hear you speak are employees of that company. It's still kind of their customer because they want those employees to get really good engagement, involvement, and value. So you want to have as you know, not overwhelming amount of information on your on your website, but enough that they could make an informed decision that you have a topic that is relevant to their audience, that you're engaging, you can be entertaining, valuable. You want to make sure you have a good bio on there. Uh, if you've spoke at different uh, corporations or things that are maybe impressive, have that on there. That's more social proof. And make it easy to get in contact with you. Make it you know very easy for them to contact you. Uh, we recommend um, instead of saying something like book me now, doing something like a button that says check my availability for your dates because that make, makes you seem more um, busy. You know, check to see if I'm even available for your dates before you decide to book me. You might have a frequently asked questions area. Some of the bigger sites actually have an area where it says uh, what it's like to work with me. And it actually lists out different things like, you know, once we see if our dates are available, we'll send you a contract. Once the contract is signed, we'll send you our media kit with headshots, bios, all that stuff for you to do marketing. Um, you know, just different ways, just they see like a timeline of what the process is, mm -hmm. especially if there's travel involved. Uh, then you definitely want them to see the timeline. Good question. Good, good points. Good answers, I should say. Um, anything else that you can think of that somebody who wants to get involved with speaking should know about uh, that they should make sure that they can address? Okay. So a lot of speakers actually come to us and they say, every time I get up and speak, people tell me I'm great. And I start asking them, where have you spoke? What have you done? And it's usually like their mom's bridge club and their church. And so, you know, just because you've gotten up and done a few things, we always, we always kind of um, get some humor just behind people that have only spoke to maybe five or six people, but they've been told by everyone that they should be a speaker. And so that you have to be a little cautious, a little, a little careful about that. Uh, so take a step back. You know, that's the thing we tell speakers all the time. If you want to use speaking as a marketing tool and a lead generation tool, then it's not just get up there and wing it. You know, it's not just reach out to networking groups or reach out to mom's group and get up there and wing it. Like it is a planned out process. We had one of our speakers the other day in our mentoring program. Um, she, she said, oh my goodness, this is so much more involved than I thought it was going to be because there is a lot to a speaking career whether using it as, as your primary or as just a lead generation tool. There's a lot to it. So get help. <laughs> yeah, there is a ton to it, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, practice, practice, practice. Yes. One of them. And if you can practice before somebody who can help you to know what to emphasize and where to pause and points mm -hmm. at the 
ums and likes and things like that that you've got in your speech and you can concentrate on trying to get rid of those and helping you to um, to do that call to action at the end or the upsell uh, mm -hmm. help with uh, engaging your audience yes valuable yes so we we spend most of our time on content you know making sure the content is really solid and delivered in a very engaging and you know systematic understandable way and we spend a good bit of time as well just you know what are your engagement and your, your kind of entertainment factors to keep people interested which might include a slide deck or props or storytelling and different different techniques um, but then we do spend some time on the presentation aspect as well and we tell people that you should you should probably spend about you know, kind of the industry average, it, you know, it used to be that people said for every one hour that you're going to speak, you need to be spending 10 hours in practice. Oh my heavens. Yes. And that's, you know, it's funny if you think about it, like 10 hours of active practice, probably not, but at least 10 hours in that process of creating the speech or your outline and your slide deck, and then also practicing it so that you have good transitions and good stories and so it probably, that's probably a pretty good number. Probably a pretty good number. But I don't know, if I were to practice something for 10 hours, I know you're not saying to practice it for 10 hours, then it would seem to me that it would be more rote than, um, than a comfortable uh, speech that somebody's willing to listen to. Yeah, so when I say 10 hours, of course, that's not, you know, standing up and giving your speech 10 times. It's an hour speech, you're not going to stand up and give it 10 times. Um, you know, it's all the other stuff I just described. However, you know, there are a lot of speakers, we're talking keynote speakers that get, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 every time they step on the stage. They give the same speech all the time. And it doesn't get boring or old because they're just so comfortable with it that they can start ad-libbing a little bit they can start venturing off of it a little bit they actually start it starts to become more of a conversation and more of a kind of feels more a little bit off the cuff because they're not having to remember what's my next point where am i going from here it's more natural for them so there's kind of that line of where does that line happen for each person is different uh, so there's kind of arguments both way, ways on that right yeah you definitely mm -hmm practice though because oh absolutely be smooth <laughs> yes and we always tell people you can't practice in your head and you can't practice kind of whispering you know that's like a singer trying to practice the song in their head it, it doesn't I sound great when I sing in my head how about you <laughs> right? right so it's kind of the same concept you got to do it out loud and I mean you can just get a free zoom account and record yourself doing it to yourself and then watch yourself back there's so many things technologically today or just on your iPhone, record yourself, listen to yourself, send it to your mom, send it to your friends, send it to your mentor, let them give you some critiques. Right. Yeah. I mean, the free Zoom account gives you 40 minutes at any rate. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so you have to do it twice because your talk is longer than that. So be it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's, there's some talks that are longer than 40 minutes, but in today's attention deficit. I mean, people just do not have the attention span for longer than a 40 minute talk much today. So <laughs> yeah. 
Mm -hmm. If there were one key thing that you think is vital for people who want to get into the speaking industry, what would that be? Other than getting a good coach um, and really working on their content, probably the key would be they have to know exactly what problem they're solving. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how many people cannot answer that question. Or they answer it in such a way that I'm like, yes, you and every other speaker on every corner is solving that problem. So how are you solving it in a unique way? So they have to know what problem they're solving and how they're solving it different than everybody else. That's vital to being a good speaker. Great. Now, some off the cuff type questions, if you're ready. Sure. Mm -hmm. What's something that most people don't know about you? Well, most people don't know that I was a world champion dancer. Yeah, so that's probably, wow. probably the biggest one. World champion. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Where did you go for your world championship? Uh, we were in the States. That particular one was in uh, Nash, one was in Nashville, one was in uh, Cal Anaheim, Anaheim, California. And what type of dance? So that was in uh, like um, swing, country, ballroom, Latin type dancing. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine you still dance. Not much. No. Um, yeah, not, yeah. We sold our dance competitions and decided to have kids, so we stopped traveling. And it's hard to do choreography for other people and judge dance events when you're got two kids at home. <laughs> so kind of switched gears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite vacation spot? Probably the mountains. I grew up in Colorado going skiing, that kind of thing. So just a fan, small family vacation in the mountains is usually my, my go-to. My husband would say the beach. So we kind of got both. <laughs> well, um, I grew up near a beach. And for many, many, many years, that was my favorite also. But then my husband preferred the mountains. And uh -huh. I have come to decide that I kind of prefer the mountains now, too. Mm -hmm. um, I love the beach for about two hours. Right. Yeah. But after two hours, I'm hot and I don't want to have sand in my bathing suit. And... You know, <laughs> I think that's that upwards of 50 thing again, because I'm the same way. <laughs> um, but the mountains, the air is really clear. It's not nearly as packed. Mm -hmm. uh, I like just sitting on a deck overlooking a lake and reading a book. Mm -hmm. And I can't sit on the beach well and read a book anymore for terribly long. The chairs are not as comfortable on the sand. And... The, the sun is hot. Um, the people, there's so many people. So many people, yeah. Mm -hmm. you, and I would, you and I should go on vacation together because mm -hmm. I like to sit and I also like to do water, I like to hike to waterfalls, which, you know, just my kids just love that when I say, mm -hmm. let's go to the mountains and do like six waterfall hikes in three days. <laughs> waterfalls are great, yeah. Yeah. As long as the hiking is not too arduous, um, I, I enjoy that as well. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Okay, last question. When you retire, you will be living where and doing what? 
When I retire, I will be living on a lake somewhere probably in the south-ish. Uh, you know, we're, we're outside of Charlotte right now by Lake Wiley, but I want to get further away from people and the crowds and the traffic. So probably a smaller lake. Um, that's where I would be. Definitely living on a lake, doing some traveling. Doing some traveling and probably, hopefully, spending time with grandkids. That would be... <laughs> Eventually, my, I have teenagers right now, so I don't want it too soon. But, you know, once we retire, that would kind of be where I would want to be. Okay, so on a lake within about an hour from an airport and preferably near some mountains. Yep, there you go. Okay. Yeah. That'll narrow it down for you. It will. It will narrow it down for us a lot. Well, Melissa, I understand that you have an interesting program on helping people pivot. You want to tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, so we actually, we've been spending a lot of times, I've been speaking with like National Association of Women Business Owners, and a lot of the topics that I've been talking about lately have been how do we pivot our businesses during this unprecedented time that we're all living through? You know, how do you make little tweaks, little adjustments to keep your business moving forward? So we came up with just a five-day complimentary little challenge, so to speak, kind of a jump start to a pivot. And it just takes you through five emails, one a day for five days on different topics. Now for speakers, this is going to be interesting for speakers. It wasn't directed at speakers in particularly, it's really for anyone. But for speakers, we do talk about, you know, what can you offer that's a little bit different than what you're offering now? You know, how can you adjust your fees, for instance, because you're going to be online instead of live? Obviously, your fees have to adjust. How can you adjust your call to action? Because you're not sitting at the back of a room where you can like sign your book for people to come back and get. So how can you pivot different things? So it's, it's a good just complimentary little five-day thing. And the nice thing about it is we ask you to send in some of your homework, so to say. You know, so when you do your little, send it in to us. And part of that five-day thing is we're actually sending you back little videos of some feedback. So you can get some personalized feedback for, for nothing. It's going to be great. Terrific. Yeah. How can people access that? They can go just to rogerandmelissa.com and there is a D in Roger. And so it's R-O-D-G-E-R-A-N-D-M-E-L-I-S-S-A.com and then the slash pivot. P-I-V-O-T. Now we have a 30-day one too on our website, but that five-day one is a great way to get started. Excellent. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your information. It's great to hear all of these terrific tips for getting involved with speaking. And even if you have been a speaker, I'm sure that speakers have been able to get some valuable information on, um, on their calls to action and mm -hmm. other things that you've mentioned. Uh, and your five-day pivot challenge could be really helpful to people today. Mm -hmm. In, in trying to figure out how to be more effective in your business when so many of your clients may not be able to do business with you. Uh, so you, you, you've got to figure out something else that you can do. Right. So that's what that is really about. And, you know, people, can just, they can call me too if they want to just give me a call, uh, ask a quick, quick question or something. I'm totally open to that as well for your audience. Great. And um, what, what is the phone number? 
493-0552, or they can email me through the website. Excellent. Thanks again, Melissa. We really appreciate having you today. Thanks for having me.